Hi, nerds. I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I'm here with Michael Turner, IT Manager at Dynamic Equipment Group. Hey, Michael, how's it going today? Excellent. And yourself? Very, very good. And we're going to start off with our icebreaker segment we call Random Access Memories. I ask a question, and then you respond with the answer that comes to your head first. So right. your first question, Michael, is if you could teach any IT-related subject or topic, what would it be and why? Ooh, um, I think for me, and again, this is, and I have years of experience doing this, but it's the customer support side because no matter how good, and I've, I've tried to kind of beat this into my team's heads over the years, it's no matter how good we are at fixing things, it's also looked at as how we interact with those employees or how we interact with our customers. Is it, do they get off the phone feeling that they had a good experience or did you just fix their thing and they still don't care about what we're doing? Um, so if I could teach that, if I could take that segment and I could go to different companies and just teach that one thing, I think it makes all the difference in the world and how the perception of it is, is across all these different facets. It, it communication, especially with, um, how to speak and how to talk yes. with, with, um, not only external, but also internal clients. Yeah. Um, just real quick. So the, the, the way I've always described my team is, is we've got two well we've got one job our job we were hired to fix things that's what it does we fix things or we build things or we create things but that's what we're there for but it's how we interact with the people how we interact with the company is the other half of what we should be doing and a lot of times i think that gets forgot based on all the because we're so focused on numbers and everything else that we forget that piece of it i i think it's i think it's well said um your next question all right and by the way, I may be semi-related to this. Okay. Uh, what is one IT-related trend that you wish would catch on? Ooh, um, that's actually a big part of the trends that I would love to see catch on is people wanting to become more self-sufficient with, with IT. Um, and it's I think it's our job as IT people, or IT managers, IT staff, to help educate our customers so that they can be more self-sufficient so they don't have to necessarily call us or they don't have to have us there to help them and a lot of that comes down to documentation do we have the right documentation somebody should go out to our systems and say hey i've got this problem if it's something they can fix let's give them the documentation so they can do it themselves it builds confidence in them it teaches them how to do some of the stuff that we do on a daily basis that we probably shouldn't be doing that we should be teaching them to do you know, it's a, it's a good answer. And, you know, it kind of brings me back to, uh, you know, some TV shows and, and skits and stuff that have been done about IT that kind of show unhelpful oh, IT. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, stuff. and and actually, the, the funny thing is, is that if you get somebody on the phone from IT and you ask a question, right, I, I've seen that the people will go out of their way to answer your question and, yes. and beyond, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes the problem is in the communication, connecting those two, right? Yes, agreed. There's, you know, you have to be able to uh, um, take to very technical terms and make them uh, so that uh, a wide audience can understand them. Yes. But I, I, I feel like I feel like you're right, and I feel like that trend uh, could catch on if communication could get better. Yeah, and, and I agree with that 100. percent I think that's what it comes down to. They've got to they've got to trust IT when they talk to us, and I've run into so many situations where IT makes promises and they don't they either don't follow through or they can't follow through or they forget to follow through whatever it is, and that just that's the other half of that is is our side of the communication. Make sure we're doing our job properly too. All right, yeah, no, I I'm I'm with you on that. Um, here's your last question of right. the segment. If you could ask any IT-related question to anyone in the world, hmm. what would it be, and what would, uh, um, well, uh, sorry, what would it be, and who would you ask? So uh, I've got a connection on LinkedIn. The game's name is Larry Whiteside. I think that's how you say his last name. I think it's Whiteside. The guy knows more about cybersecurity than anybody I've ever met. Um, he, he's just he's that kind of guru. And my question to him is, I'm with a relatively small company today. We don't have the funds to go out and spend all this money on cybersecurity and, and bringing in all the stuff that some of the big companies can do. 
how do we as a small company protect ourselves as well as the big companies do without having that those resources to be able to do so is there ways that we can do things right is there security things that everybody should be doing no matter how size the company is those kinds of questions is what i would love to start so sit down and kind of pick his brain from that side of the house i love that question and let's hold that question right, right. because we're going to explore that question because it's yeah. such a good one uh and it's so relevant in today's world especially with uh the the new cmmc mm-hmm. issue uh, uh rulings and stuff that come in uh, uh level two is coming out nobody's ready for it i mean there's Nobody. so many <laughs> and, there, and we're talking about these are companies that run uh you know small mom and pops but the government uh leans on them for all sorts right. of different parts you know and they're sitting around with uh, a CUI or classified, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, classified data, right? And, and, um, and, and they're uh, and, and they're exposed, right? right? And so they don't the even realize is, it. A lot of times, yeah. Go ahead. No, and I'm just saying, a lot of times they don't even realize that they are exposed. It's again because it's such a small mom and pop store, they just don't have the resources and the knowledge and stuff that that you can you can't hire a full time cybersecurity person to be able to do that. It just doesn't financially it doesn't make sense to do so but they also need to know where those resources are that they can use as a smaller company they need to know what should they be doing and i don't know that i've been able to find that answer where yeah sure you can spend lots and lots of money and this is how you can protect yourself but how does that small company do that and i think that may be a segment that it as a whole or in general is missing that that we're not focusing enough on that side well, I'm not Larry, but we're going to focus on it today. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. Hey guys, this is Phil Howard, founder of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I just want to take a few minutes to address something. It has become fairly apparent, I'm sure all of you will agree, over the years that slow vendor response, vendor response times, vendors in general, the, the average is mediocre. Support is mediocre. Mediocrity is the name of the game. Not only is this a risk to your network security, because I've seen vendors on numerous occasions share sensitive information, but there's also a direct correlation to your budget and your company's bottom line. Not to mention the sales reps that are trying to sell you and your CEO and your CFO on a daily basis. That causes a whole nother realm of problems that we don't have time to address. Our back office program at Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we've put together specifically for IT leadership, and it's on a mission to eliminate this mediocrity. And the best part is that we're doing this in a way that will not cost your IT department a dime. So if you'd like us to help you out, get better pricing, better support, and jump on pressing issues in minutes, not days, then Contact us now so we can get on a, a call with you and conduct a value discovery session where we find out what you have, why you have it, and where you want to go and how we can improve your your life, your IT department, and your company's bottom line. What you're going to end up with is, number one, just faster support from partners who care about your organization's uptime and bottom line. And because you're going to be able to access our $1.2 billion in combined buying power, you'll be able to benefit uh, significantly from historical data. And on top of that, you'll also benefit from the skills of hundreds of on-demand experts that we have working behind the scenes that are all attached to our back office support program. So if you'd like, again, none of this is ever going to cost you a dime. At the very least, it's going to open your your eyes to what's possible. Let our back office team provide you the high-touch solutions and support that your IT team deserves so that you can stop calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND for support. Now, if you're wondering, what does this apply to? This applies to your ISPs, your telecom providers, all your application providers, whether you're a Microsoft shop or a Google shop, what you might be paying for AWS, even Azure, co-location space, any of those vendors that you're paying a monthly bill to, we can help you with. Hey, it's Greg, the Frenchman secretly managing the podcast behind the curtain. To request your one-on-one call, contact us at internet at popularit.net. And remember, it will never cost you a dime. I wanted to to, uh, take a second 
first okay. and acknowledge something because I was looking on your very, very thin LinkedIn profile, <laughs> by the way. Hardly anything there. He's not giving me any content to go to go through and cyber stalk him. I can't do it. So there's security right there. And so um, I did pull some things out though, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and so, so the first thing I wanted to acknowledge is uh, you were in the Marines. Yes, sir. And and how how many years did you spend in the Marines? I did fourteen in the Marine Corps. Fourteen years. Thank yep. you. Wow, that is uh, that is commendable. Uh, very Thank commendable. You. Uh, I have uh, family uh, um, in all the, all the different forces. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, and uh, it's um, it's it's it is it is uh, amazing to hear some of the stories that come out of that. And it's also amazing to see what's transpired from from their uh, work in the military. I have a brother in law who uh, you know works over at SpaceX. You know, mm. it's oh, wow. just amazing to see. Yeah that that transformation you know um and uh in in see what people do and and you know through a career i've had the uh, opportunity of hiring several several amazing folks uh uh who's uh who, who've come from military mm-hmm. and but not necessarily even any like college or or, or right. school and they have been phenomenal uh um so uh, whatever the military is doing, they're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm one of those people that you talk about where that doesn't have the college education. I knew when I got out of high school that wasn't what I was going to do. I was going. I knew I was going in the military. I'd known that since I was a little kid that that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I was fortunate. I've been very fortunate that my career started in the Marine Corps in IT. I started off on mainframes and card readers, card punches, I can go that far back that, uh, and, and kind of grew with IT into the, the desktops and the, and the internet and personal computing and all that stuff, which really was just in its infancy when I started. So I like to call that age of computing, the arts and crafts of, of, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I will tell you, I hated when windows came out with the, with the, the GUI interface, because I was, I don't want to say a god, but I was really one of those people that they looked at because you could write just simple batch files and then give it to somebody, and they were like, "How do you do that?" So I mean, it was just it was a fun time because there were so few people back then that that knew anything about computers and technology. Where today, it's I mean, my grandson of six years old probably knows more about computers than I do. So it, you're right, though, and and I think I was. Uh, um, I, I was probably the last uh, kind of uh, generation to have. I, I started on DOS 6.2. Oh, yeah. So I was like kind of the last one. It was DOS 6.2 yep. and I had Windows 3.1. Yep. Right. Uh, you know, so it was kind of that last sliver of generation that had to, to learn. But I absolutely loved that. I mean, my, I had I my. Too. My I was customized my prompt. It was flashing at me. I had menus menus all over the place, booted in different spots. You know, that was that that was the glory. It day. was a fun time. It really was. <laughs> so um also let's talk about this. Uh you're it's funny because we're we're on Zoom, but you you could have driven over here and we could have had this in person. <laughs> no, I didn't know we that until we started talking. Have an in-person <laughs> podcast here. Um, because uh you're right down the street from yes. me. Sounds yeah, like uh, so. I mean, you're um, so uh, you know, we're I'm in Tampa, Florida, uh, and, and Tampa is a is a big uh area where for the folks that don't know, it's a big area with multiple different spots. And and uh, Michael and I are uh, probably about 30 minutes away, yeah, so <laughs> at most, <laughs> yeah, at most. So it is uh, it is just a, it's almost like it's a bridge away, that's mm-hmm. where it's a, yeah, that's how you get to it. So that was, uh, um, uh, I know I've done this podcast uh, um, uh, with a whole range and I'm always talking to different folks, some in different countries. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, you know, uh, Blue Moon, I get somebody in the same state, but somebody the that's same right city. the street, that's, that's just a small world, right? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, so let's talk about um, that's, let's talk, let's jump into the security uh, piece sure. of because I thought this was such a great question. And obviously, Larry's not on this podcast, uh, but I'm on the podcast and okay. uh, and I can start to start to break down and answer that question a little bit for you. Right. right. Um, and I'm interested in in your thoughts while I do it. So okay. let's let's make it a conversation. So the question was, um, was basically, you know, 
great security's coming uh and and i want to increase security and because there's compliance all over the place and i want to do that but i'm a small firm right and uh mm -hmm. i'm you know, I don't have the money that all the big firms do, right? Which right. is why a lot of the small firms are getting targeted now and not the big firms because the big firms have already invested the money sure. in stuff, right? And if you want to target a big firm now, you're using social engineering to do it uh, because that's the easiest way in. Sure. Um, uh, small firms, you can still, you know, they still have openings. They still have. Oh, uh, yeah. They're because uh, they don't know how to do it. And, and to get pay somebody to to tell them how to do it it costs money too right so mm -hmm. you don't have that information but there are some some uh tricks to the trade here right first of all you have to know what your data is that you're trying to protect right so um luckily we live in a land of uh, a couple different things so if we're trying to date first let's just look at authentication okay look at authentication right mm -hmm. so we have authentication with uh um all of our systems okay well right off the bat uh let's not do local accounts that are right. shared have everybody, right let's start yep. there right let's push our um let's push our authentication up to one of the services right and uh you know be it the microsoft or google's right. way right oh yes right push that authentication up to microsoft 350 365 and now you're in a shared security model so that mm -hmm. so now you benefit from the big one of the big folks's security models really right. so that's where we pushed our authentication great now the next part is data right and if you're a big company uh it's uh, um you know you, you're like just project the whole thing right <laughs> right but honestly that's not technically what big companies do uh, big companies uh, also like to save money. And um, so what they end up doing is they identify all the data that's critical to be protected, um, stuff that if they lost would cause, um, you know, the, it would be the, right. you know, the stuff that um, it's it's a personal information or it's uh, information that's um, st strategic to the company. And they, they classify this, all this information, and then it gets put in a special spot uh, and that spot gets protected more than any of the other items that you have. And right. it's like, think of it like if you're in a house, right? And you take all your important stuff and you put it in a safe and right. close the safe, right? Yep. So so you don't need to enclose your whole house in a safe. You just need to enclose <laughs> the personal data in a safe, right? And so by limiting that data down, you're actually now reducing cost. So from, and I'm not saying this is going to work for everybody. Sure. The biggest thing that that small businesses can do is understand what their data is and classify it. And then, then now they know what they need to protect more than right. any of the enterprise systems. And then you can start to protect that. And now it doesn't cost nearly as much, you know, uh, of what's going on. And you can even go down to the level of saying, I only want certain people in my company to have access to this information. Right. And I can just those people and I can give them, uh, uh, you know, stronger uh, permission, stronger controls, right? And controls, I think the last thing I'll touch on, um, and I want to hear all your thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, the last thing uh, that I want to touch on is um, controls don't always have to cost money. You know, I mean, there are uh, um, ways in which you can control, put controls around things through policies and procedures and mm -hmm. stuff like that, that will, that don't cost anything, but your time <laughs> to right. really think these through and make sure their controls are adequate and, and tested. So these are, these are things I think that, um, uh, that companies can do that are small to reduce their risk. And right. so what are your thoughts on what I just proposed? So let me kind of take a little step back. So a couple of jobs ago, because I was in a totally different type of environment there. It was all, a lot of it was government contracts and, and those types of things. And it was a medium sized company. So everything was regulated to the nth degree and we had GCC high and all that fun stuff that locks things down to the really quite, quite tight. So that one was almost in some ways was easier to manage the cybersecurity side because it was so locked down that there was just the government said, you have to do these things. The last two jobs I've been at wasn't government contracts, but there was a lot of personal data. There was a lot of company data. There was those types of things. But then both of those were smaller companies. Um, one of the very first things I did walking in the door at both of those companies was sat down and went, you guys don't have multi-factor authentication turned on at all. It's like, 
that's just a very simple free way yep. to safeguard your data. So that was the very first thing I sat down and did. The second thing I did at, at, at this uh, company was took stuff off of the local servers, moved it into SharePoint, moved it into the cloud. Um, again, from what you're just like you were explaining that that's got built in security already around it. Microsoft has said, hey, we know we're storing your data. We're going to do everything we can from our side to do what we can to protect it. Maybe not as good as you could if it was like my my previous company where it was government contracts, but it's better than just sitting on a, a server somewhere that may have vulnerabilities that I just don't know about because, again, I'm not a cybersecurity guy, and I'm, I don't have the money to hire somebody to come in and do, check all the ports and check all the, the, the software and make sure everything's the way it should be. I just didn't have the money to do so. So by moving it into SharePoint, that allowed me to have at least some cursory control over things. So those are things that I've already kind of invested my time and energies in to try to secure it to some extent. But I think it's what you talked about, finding out what the data is, where let's narrow it down to just the stuff that really matters. I think that's very key. And I've never heard anybody actually kind of say it that way. Um, so being able to have that information now, I can go back to whether it's finance, whether it's um, the CFO, whether it's it's HR, whoever it is that I need to talk to across all of the company and say, okay, if we were to lose data today or if somebody was to, um, let's say they came in and encrypted it and all of a sudden you couldn't access it, how critical is that to the company? And then if they say, well, it would it would be a hassle, but it wouldn't stop our company from existing or oh, yeah, this is actually going to, if we don't have this, we're done as a company. We're, we're There's nothing we can do. That's where I need to focus then to say, okay, how do I protect that piece of the data? Where is it today? How do I protect it? How do I segment it from the rest of it so that only certain people have access or like you were talking about, those types of things. So that little, just in the short time we've talked, that's the one piece that I kind of taken from this so far to say, this is what I need to look at when I go back to work tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I, absolutely great, uh, um, great way to to understand it and look at it and and be able to say and and take it and go, hey, this is I'm going to actually put this into effect. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the um, most interesting uh, like tabletop exercises you can do is sit down the the folks that have a vested interest in the company, right, mm -hmm. the stakeholders, and say, hey, um, do me a favor, close your eyes, and now everything is down, and mm -hmm there may be data corruption. Right. Okay, open your eyes and and write down all the things now that were going through your head at that time. What's the uh, um what were oh. the first things you want back up? What data do you are you wondering got the uh, you know got deleted? What's the first right. kind of data things you're going to check? Cuz all of that stuff is the most critical data. Right. <laughs> that, and they and you're right. In. They that's yeah. the first thing they'll think is the thing that's most critical is the first thing that's going to pop in your head. Yeah. So you take that and you start writing all that down and that's gives you the kind of the starting ground to start mm -hmm. building that uh, building those data pieces up in your head and being like, hey, this is this is where we need to start. Right. Um, and then and, and if you get enough stakeholders and you don't have to do them all at once, you can just literally have a conversation with this right. person, this person, write all that down, compile that information. And now you have a report of, of, of where to go. And it's a good launching pad. Um, and I'm sure as you kind of push that in front of people, people will go, oh, but what about this? But what about this? What oh, about yeah. This? Great. They forget Break about that now. stuff. Right. Or that what they <laughs> thought was the top priority may not be. They'll talk to somebody in the other part of the company who said, no, this is more important. They'll be like, oh, yeah, it really is more important. So that is where we need to focus. So, yep. And so, and so now you, and then you come into ranking and, and trying to figure right. out where all that stuff goes. And it's, that's a kind of a good way to start that, um, start that process. And, um, man, I, that's, uh, um, it's always a fun one. I, you know, you, <laughs> I love learning businesses and I love learning, uh, you know, how they, how they structure themselves, what data they find important, what they're doing with the data. Um, and, uh, through all these types of processes, you always figure out, um, it, people always go to say the same couple things. They say, that's still like that. And then we don't have to swap or they go, or they go, why are we doing that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and having only been at the company now since October, I think is when I started there this is a good opportunity for me to dig deeper into the business itself to understand. Re Cause again, I know what the business does. I know how it operates and those kinds of things, but it gives me an opportunity to really understand where the important parts of the company 
truly stand when it comes to running this business. So, oh no, I agree. It's a it's a great exercise. It's one I do when I uh, go into different companies and uh, and and start to analyze them. Um, it's a uh, um, it is. I, I'm. I'm blessed to have kind of a cool job where I get to look at all bunch of different companies yeah, you do. <laughs> all the time. Right. It's just okay. A new company. Okay. What do you do? Right. And so I'm yep. always kind of looking at different companies and kind of figuring out, uh, you know, what they do, uh, and how best to support them. Um, but it's a. It's a. Um, it's a fun gig, and uh, um, it's a. It, it, it's really nice to see. Uh, a variety of different industries and see how they all handle all their different things all differently. And, um, you know, you know, the, you being the dynamic equipment group. And if if you Mm -hmm. want for a second, tell people what dynamic equipment group does. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they have an idea. Yeah. So it's a heavy equipment. Uh, we sell heavy equipment. So, um, excavators and, and, down, down to small handheld bulldozer type things. Um, uh, mostly Bobcat and Devilon are the two companies we deal with mostly. Um, it's sales and then it's warranty repair. That's really what our company does. So very nice um, parts, all that stuff that goes along with that. And that and that's a great company to have here because Florida's always under construction. Oh yes, <laughs> just got to be near I four somewhere, and everybody will know. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere I you know it's always under construction, no matter where I'm at. So I uh, it's um I mean even our bridges, their bridges are constantly, oh, yes. constantly building new bridges. Yes. <laughs> so keep, people keep coming to the state for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Why do they want to come here? <laughs> The whole country goes Florida's nuts, and they're like, "But let's move." But let's move. Yep. <laughs> Come join us in our in our land. There you go. Yeah, my wife always goes. She, she you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Vacation, where they go out to to Wally World, and there's yes, a moose yeah, out front, yeah. and the guy says, "Well, the moose out front should have told you we were closed." My wife goes, "The mouse out front should have told you the state was closed." <laughs> <laughs> but they keep getting by. So, <laughs> um. I, I also wanted to bring this up because sure. as I was looking at your um, LinkedIn profile, I had a, uh, a, a, a brief Tiger King moment, right? Uh, because I saw that you were a volunteer at Big Cat Rescue. I was for a short time. I, I was it was in, I was actually in between jobs and I was like, I'm not just going to sit around the house and do nothing. Um, so I said, you know what? I've been, I've been out there many times before when it was still open. And uh, I was like, you know what? I, I think that would be a good use of my time in between these two jobs until I can get to the next one. So, yeah, it was it was an exciting time. How was that? Uh, um, interesting to see all those uh, uh, massive <laughs> creatures. It, it was funny because as a volunteer, especially as a relatively new volunteer, you don't get a lot of interaction with the animals. It's more cleaning up cages where they're not and things like that, yeah. getting things prepped to move animals around. But you're not actually dealing with the animals directly. But you still, you're. There, I mean, they're all around you. So that's that's amazing. The um, I actually used to live right up by there. So oh, did you? Uh, I'm to, only 10, 15 minutes from there. Town ten minutes yeah. from there now. So yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um. I, so uh, let's jump in to uh, um, a conversation I wanted to have with you. Um, because as you were kind of talking earlier in our conversations, mm-hmm. um, you had mentioned um, uh, this customer support uh um piece yes and and so there's a tie-in uh that i wanted to do which was a tie-in of customer support mm-hmm. with management because mm-hmm. uh there is a connection between the two uh that exists uh because uh, you know to be good at uh um customer service right you need to be good at external customer service, mm-hmm. but you also need to be good at internal customer service. And those are two uh, two components that you need to be able to handle people, no matter if these people work with you, uh, uh, work for you, or or uh, you're, you're working for them, right? Correct. So all the different components of it. I think in one and the same, people management and customer support are uh, very, are connected in a, Absolutely. A, at the hip. W- what's your thoughts on this? No, I, I agree with that 100%. I think, um, especially as managers, it's our job a lot of times to f- make sure our staff is focused on that. What well, We hire people that are very smart, very talented. They they can fix things. They can create things. Like, from a technology perspective, if we're doing our job hiring, we've got the right people that can do that piece. The other piece of that is that the, it's a little harder to quantify. It's a little e- 
less easy to quantify, I guess. Yeah, we can do surveys and things like that, but it's just getting to know your I think part of it's getting to know your staff because they're your customers in some ways. Um, and if you treat them the way that you want them to treat our customers, I think that, that helps translate into that. I think they see how you tra- how you interact with our customers because a lot of times they come directly to me and say, "Hey, this is what's going on," or "I had a problem with this," or and I every single time a customer comes to me with a, a whether it's an issue, whether it's a suggestion, whatever it is, it is absolutely key that we don't just blow that off. That we actually respond to it. If it's something that we can take care of right then, take care of it. If it's something you need to go talk to your staff about, say, hey, what was the situation? How did this happen? What occurred? And then get back to them and provide them that feedback on the backside to say, hey, we appreciate the feedback. Here's what I found out. Here's what we're going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. And our job as managers is to make sure that our staff are treating customers, again, like you said, whether it's internal, external, with the respect that they deserve, making sure that we don't have those moments of um, why don't you know this stuff? And I explain to my staff this way. It's like when I go to the doctor's office, if he tells me, hey, this is what's going on. I don't question that. I don't sit there and go, no, I think you're wrong. I think you should do it this way. <laughs> and he <laughs> needs to explain it to me in a way that I understand. And so we can't, we have to do the same thing. We have to make sure we're explaining it in a way they understand and hopefully our customers, because we've built that trust and that relationship, won't question or say to us, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to go off here on the left-hand side and do it my way. We don't want that. We want them to understand that, hey, we're here to support you. We're here to help you. We want nothing more than for you to never have to call us again because things are just working. That In our world, that would be an ideal world for us to be in. We know it's not realistic. So we need to treat everybody when, and I guess this is a good way to describe it. I've said this to my staff many, many times. I want that person when they get off the phone, whether they, whether it's an email, a phone, a text, whatever, however it is we're we're interacting with our customers. I want them to get off the phone. I want them to get off that phone, look at the person sitting next to them and say, Hey, Bob, I just got off the phone with Mike and I hope I never have to call IT again because that means something's broke. I really hope I don't have to. But if I do, I want to talk to him again because it was such a great experience. We should be giving our customers that kind of experience every single time, whether it's an external customer, whether it's internal, whether it's each other. I mean, even just talking to each other, if we're trying to to work some issues out or some problems out amongst the team, trying to figure, hey, this is what's going on. How do we fix this? We need to have that respect. We need to be able to communicate. And again, you go back to the word communicate. We have to be able to communicate in that way. And if we don't, we're 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 really failing at what we're supposed to be doing to to support our customers. So how how do we communicate effectively so that uh, a client, uh, an internal external client, they get that sense that they walk away from there going, "Wow, that was I yeah. really." enjoyed that process i you know sometimes people are like i don't even i don't want to call it i don't don't want to have to get off sit on a phone and you know and do all this type of thing so what's the thought there yeah nobody ever calls us today so just say thanks it's they always call because (laughs) there's a problem it's just it's the nature of the beast and i again i'm not expecting anybody to just call up it and say thank you for the job you're doing But they're already having though every once in a while that that happens. No, I do get some emails occasionally saying, hey, your your tech did a great job of helping me out or whatever it is. So I do get that feedback, but it's usually not just somebody just calling randomly just to say, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Um, But they're they're not having a good day. If they're contacting us, something's gone wrong, no matter what it is, whether how big or small it is. Part of that communication is to make that person what you may be working with three other people because you've got a tech a chat going on here. You've got emails that you're working on. You're talking on the phone. There's somebody can be standing at your desk for all I know. They need to feel like the only person, the only thing you're working on is their issue at that moment. And it's a, it's a hard balancing act sometime to be able to do that because we are being tasked with many different things all at the same time. But if we can manage that, if we can, and, the way I've always done it in the past is um, I like to look at the contact we have with our customers in a holistic and a big picture, so to speak. So 
yes, I can look at the ticket. I can see what they documented, how they documented it, those types of things. I'll go back and listen to calls and say, and then compare that to what's actually done in the ticket. I'll look at feedback from our customers. If we got a survey, come back. So I try to take it and look at it as a, that one contact with our customers as a whole. And then if I need to, I can sit down with the staff. We can go over the, the ticket or we can listen to the call and talk about it and say, Hey, are there things that you saw that we maybe we could have done better or, Hey, you know what? This was a great call. Do you mind if I share it with the team when we have a team meeting so that they, everybody can benefit from, from the experience that you had with this customer type of thing. So there's a lot of things we as managers can do. I think a lot of times we get so hung up with the numbers and trying to make sure that we're meeting all our SLAs and we're trying to meet the, the KPIs and everything that we sometimes forget that human side of the thing. And so we're so focused on that, that we just kind of let the other side go. And it should be at, at least a 50, 50 shot. Um, yes, we need to focus on KPIs. Yes. We need to focus on SLAs, but we also need to work on that customer side of the house. And as managers, if we can make our staff understand that when you're communicating with our customers, they first need to feel like you're the only person that you're, they're the only person that you're working with that you're focused hundred percent and you're going to get them fixed. And it, it, and it's maybe as something as simple as, Oh, I see you're in, I don't know. in in Washington state is how's the weather up there today. Just to kind of get that connection started with the person right off the bat. Um, I hate scripting calls. Uh, I've been in call centers before where they wanted to script things. And, and I absolutely think it's a bad idea. I th- there are things we need to, to get information. We know we need to get names and contacts and all, the stuff that you need to get, but it doesn't have to be scripted so that every single time you call there, it sounds like a robot's talking to you. That's the last thing we should be doing. Get the scripts out of there. Yes. Hold your, hold your staff accountable. Make sure they're getting all the information that you're asking for. Make sure they're doing the things they're supposed to do, but you don't have to script it to do that. That's our job as managers is to make sure that they're doing their jobs without having to do that type of level of micromanaging, in my opinion. Um, You know, you make a great point. You know, we all agree that KPIs and measurements and stuff mm -hmm. like that, they're, they're needed to, Mm -hmm. um, to track performance and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, that being said, uh, you know, we don't want to be sitting there using that as the sole, uh, um, you know, uh, sole piece. There's still a human component to all of them. You know, if you see KPI, if you see a KPI of somebody uh, taking too long on the phone, right. Right. Uh, but then you turn around and measure how well their, uh, you know, their customer services, right. Okay. Well, all right. Sure. Now you have a conversation where it says, "Hey, listen, you're doing great here, but just you know, cut it down just Let's a little bit." Let's see if we can shorten it a little <laughs> no. bit, right? <laughs> no, I, don't and, ask that third question, right? Like just I, right. And I've had those conversations in the past, yeah. and and you don't want to, you don't. First thing you want to do as a manager, you don't want to stop that from happening. You want them to Correct. continue to have that high customer satisfaction score. But you also know you have a business to run, and we know that we hire enough people to handle X number of issues per day or whatever. And it, there's a balancing act on both sides. You don't want somebody so fast on these calls and they're doing so many tickets or so many issues that they're not doing the customer support side at all. But you also don't want that person on the other end of the spectrum. So there's a balancing act. And, and I think, again, it's stuff that you can talk about in team meetings. It's stuff you talk about in one-on-ones with your staff and things like that to make sure that everybody's got the same message, that we're, we're being consistent across the board. And I think in the long run, it does come to a median there in the, in the center somewhere where the whole team, once you get them to buy off on it, it really does become almost a, a challenge for them to say, you know what? I can get the highest customer satisfaction scores and still have the most number, best eight KPIs. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I think you can, you can really do get to that mindset. I think at some point. Yeah. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, exclusive. Right. I, I think you're absolutely right. That. And, um, and it's funny you mentioned the scripting, right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and saying, hey, you know, you've got these scripts uh, that people read, and they sound robotic, and and everything. And then, um, you know, you, you know, everyone knows. I, you know, right before this conversation, I I, I talked to uh, um, the folks that are kind of come on, right? And I was talking uh, talking to Michael here right beforehand. And what? How much of this is scripted? 
almost none of it. I mean, there's there's sections, but there's no script to it. <laughs> right, right. There's just literally a, a you know, there's only like a, a few, like I would say three parts that I I say that are scripted, and everything else is yeah. uh, is a it's natural conversation, right? And we do that on purpose because it. Uh, it, it creates a more natural feel for a conversation to happen. And we go places that, you know, man, if it was scripted, <laughs> we would never go. Right. You know? it's, it's funny because, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but I feel I do the same thing with my interviews. When I'm interviewing somebody, the first thing I say to them is, look, this is not going to be me just throwing a bunch of questions and answers from you back at me. We're going to talk. I, I need to get to know you as much as I need to understand your technical abilities because I need to make sure you go fit in my team. I mean, that's that's as big a part of it as your technical knowledge that you bring along with you. So I think there's even to that extent, I think we need to do a better job as managers, too. I think that's I think it's a great way to come at it. Um, you then also get to kind of see what the what the working relationship may be like, you know, while you're while you're chatting, right. you know, oh, am I going to be able to bounce ideas? Is this, you know, how does this mm -hmm. person think on, on their feet? Uh, you know, um, and how do I respond to things that they say? So right. an interview, it's interesting because I always view an interview as um, just as much uh, a, a, an interview for that person as it is, is for you know them interviewing you yes as to well, whether they should work there right yes <laughs> you know? so and i tell people that too that's another thing i tell them is look i just almost exactly those words is yes your my job is to interview to make sure that i feel like you're going to fit for us but you should be interviewing us too to make sure we're a good fit for you because last thing i want is to hire somebody and they get in and this isn't what they were looking for it should never happen because if we've done our job right that person interviewing me and me interviewing them, it should be a great fit for both sides. I, I completely, I, I think I completely agree with that. I think that's, that's the way to, uh, to do it so that, you know, that you're going to be kind of getting a good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, your, um, your, uh, uh, career, mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned started off mainframes, yes. uh, right. Uh, and stuff, um, over, the course of your career, um, I'm looking at some of your stuff. You've done a whole wide breadth of, of, of stuff You've done everywhere, right? You kind of, uh, like, uh, um, if, if there was a, uh, uh, somebody that said, I want to learn every piece of it, uh, known to man, right. You have tried <laughs> at have some tried. point or another, maybe I haven't, maybe I don't do the same things that we did back then and today, but yeah. <laughs> Um, what now you know, there's kind of a good piece to that though. Um, uh, having, uh, like a multitude of, uh, mm -hmm. of things to do. And, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of my career mirrors a lot of that, um, you know, just kind of being in a whole bunch of different spots mm -hmm. and, and seeing that, but, um, it, it, being able to be exposed to a bunch of different things, yeah. I think helps, especially if you, you know, you don't have to learn all of it, like like no, oh no, not at all. all of it, right? But but being exposed to it um, is a, a great way to get the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So, um, can you talk to that for us a little bit and 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 kind of share some of your uh, experiences and things that kind of led to uh, you know you kind of adapting and evolving in, uh, throughout IT. Sure. Um, we'll go back. So I kind of go back a little bit and kind of go through some of the years of work I've done here. But I did. I started off in mainframes, um, changing tapes, uh, doing uh, card readers, card punches. I mean, yeah, we want to mess up with a code programmer. Just take one of those cards out of that that stack, and yeah, you'll you'll never get to do it again. But um, but from there, I moved into um, what the, the Marine Corps called small systems computer support, which was really just desktop support. Um, this was back in the days when uh, a 286 processor was was high speed, and a, and a and a and a 10 gig or 10 meg hard drive was a big hard drive, and literally was the size of a brick a hard drive. Um, dot matrix printers. My wife and I were just talking about the other day how you you kind of if you were around during that time you missed that sound some days you you kind of missed that that noise that made. Um, yeah, and so from and then I also did some networking. Um, it was. Um, token ring that was where i kind of well, yeah i started off in token ring and uh, again it's nothing that they use today it's totally i mean outdated and nobody would ever think about it but it exposed me to how machines talk how they 
transmit data across different places to get to different things. And so from there, I mean, there's been server support over the years where building servers and I worked in a network operations center and, and the SAN and, and all those types of things. So like you said, I've kind of been exposed to a lot of it. Um, almost all of my career has been in some ways supporting customers in some way or some form, um, whether it's the mainframe and, and supporting the programmers or whether it's been the small, the, the desktop computer supporting our users or the network, making sure that there's connectivity across things and, servers to make sure that they can get to the data that they need from those places. So I've been very fortunate. Um, again, I, I went right from high school, right to the Marine Corps. I didn't get the college education. I've done some college in over the years, but I've just, I found that I was fortunate enough that the experience that I've had has allowed me to have a career and a job that I absolutely love to do. I absolutely love every, even today. I, I love it. I love learning about things. It's never the same two days in a row. Um, and even from company to company, I mean, learning how this company that we I get comfortable here, kind of doing things. Okay, this is how we're running things here. You go to a new company, and there's a different way of doing things, and you kind of meld those two things together, and you you bring that experience that you've had over all these years to this next company, and say, you know what, yeah, you, it's working for you today, but hey, I think I've got a better way of doing things, or a, 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 a or I may learn something and say, wow, that's a better way you guys are doing it than what I've been doing in the past. So it's being flexible. Um, but again, I've been very, very fortunate in my over all these years in my career to have all these experiences and the opportunities that I've had to experience all this stuff. And I do think it, it helps me understand IT as a whole. Um, I'm, the one area I don't want to get in, I tried it for a little bit, is programming. I just know I don't have the brain for it. I don't have the patience for it. And yet I've known programmers and stuff. And to me, it's just, it. it's brilliant that the, the work that they can do. And I just know it's not for me. So that's why I kind of stuck to the, the hardware and networking and all that kind of side of the house, because that's where I felt really comfortable. And I felt like that was where my strength was. So it's interesting. Um, and, you know, pr the programming brain uh, um, is actually, it almost works a little bit differently because you have mm -hmm. to be so abstract uh, and also and very analytical when you're, when you're, when you're programming. So yes. you have to literally be holding stuff in your head in a visual form to be mm -hmm. able to go, I'm creating this and it needs to look like this as you're typing it out. Right. I mean, right. Now today too, uh, you know, they benefit from, uh, a multitude of different, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, ways in which they can go research and and be able to pull some of that stuff. But even as you're writing it, you have to contemplate how that would even uh, you begin to construct it. And right. programming that I've done is uh, uh, earlier on in my career, uh, I, I did programming and then I moved into just doing scripting, uh, and that's how I got into the some of the infrastructure folks, right? Okay. Because you know, you you start with a little bit of programming, you work your way into uh, scripting, and now you're uh, and now you know you're doing the uh, scripting of the infrastructure and, right. and folks, and, and that's kind of how you kind of dive into that. It's the reverse way, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but uh, but that that right there gives you um, uh, um, the infrastructure for a while. For a while, it was tangible. You could right. you could create it and look at it and say, oh, look how pretty that looks and stuff like that. And then now, uh, you know, um, it, it's it's not. It's in the cloud. I got actually. It's funny. My uh, my mom actually got me a shirt, uh, and you can read it. Nobody else can. What does that <laughs> shirt say? What does that yeah, there say? is no cloud. It's just someone else's computer, <laughs> which <laughs> in some ways is she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she it was funny because i was i i she had heard my other podcast in which i had uh uh said that you know, she was talking about the cloud and so that mm -hmm. was my christmas present was a, oh, that's was funny. a cloud shirt so there you go so uh so thanks mom so uh <laughs> but but no it was um and it's it's almost not tangible now right because right because now you've moved back into conceptual and there's now a conceptual almost programming type feel to being able to put together infrastructure because you have mm -hmm. to kind of map it out and go, OK, let's think through what this looks like, you know, and and let's diagram it out and 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 make sure that instead of 
having a physical computer that's right here where I can see that's connected to this thing and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, now you're like, let's trace it out in the cloud. <laughs> let's, right. let's go look at resource groups yep. and let's go figure out, uh, you know, which, which uh, network it's running through or which networks it's running through. Right. right. So, um, so, you know, for a while it was tangible. Now it's not tangible anymore. Um, and not as tangible. Right. Um, we're still, we're still hybrid. We're still, you know, and we probably will be for quite a while. At Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, we expect to win and we expect our IT directors to win. And one of those areas where we know that we can help you win is internet service providers. As an IT director tasked with managing internet connectivity, few vendor relationships can prove more painfully frustrating than the one with your internet service provider. The array of challenges seems never ending from unreliable uptime and insufficient bandwidth to poor customer service and hidden fees. It's like getting stuck in rush hour traffic dealing with isps can try one's patience even on the best of days so whether you are managing one location or a hundred locations our back office support team and vendor partners are the best in the industry and the best part about this is none of this will ever cost you a dime due to the partnership and the sponsors that we have behind the scenes at dissecting popular it nerds let us show you how we can manage away the mediocrity and hit it out of the park. We start by mapping all of the available fiber routes, and we use our 1.2 billion in combined customer buying power in massive economy of scale to map all of your locations, to overcome construction fees, to use industry historical data, to encourage providers to compete for the lowest possible pricing, to negotiate the lowest rates guaranteed, and to provide fast response times in hours, not days, and we leverage aggregators and wholesale relationships to ensure you get the best possible pricing available in the marketplace. And on top of all of this, you get proactive network monitoring and proactive alerts so that you're not left calling 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND to enter in a ticket number and wonder, why is my internet connection down? In short, we are the partner that you have always wanted who understands your needs, your frustrations, and knows what you need without you having to ask. So, We're still human, but we are some of the best and we aim to win. This all starts with a value discovery call where we find out what you have, why you have it, and what's on your roadmap. All you need to do is email internet at popularit.net and say, I want help managing all of my internet garbage. Please make my life easier and we'll get right on it for you. Have a wonderful day. It kind of actually brings us to kind of our next segment, really. Honestly, it's uh, the uh, um, IT crystal ball, uh, (laughs) the future of IT. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we have been, uh, um, from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, um, it was tangible, and then it became non-tangible, and we moved to the cloud. But we talked about a lot of things uh, over this podcast. Um, You know, we've talked about, um, you know, besides big cats and uh, and Florida, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> we had a really Tiger King episode here. Um, uh, you know, we've talked, we talked about the, uh, um, uh, um, you know, people, customer service, mm-hmm. uh, uh, supporting of multiple different, uh, items, how to secure that mm-hmm. all these different pieces. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, customer service isn't, it's almost not tangible now because Correct. you're, Usually speaking to someone over the phone or a Teams meeting or, mm-hmm. or or a Zoom meeting or whatever, right? And and so you're you're still not you still don't have that tangible feel anymore. Right. Things are becoming less tangible. Like I like when's the last time you handled money? No, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, everything is becoming an imaginary thing that we look at now, right? That's right. that's what's happening. So um uh let's take this concept for a minute. And okay. explore it. All right. Um, if if that's the case, if we're becoming less tangible uh, from a standpoint of computing and uh, and also um, you know customer service and possibly and maybe already leadership and uh, and people management like that, right? Um, then then you know it, will this trend continue? And how does that impact? Uh, the future of IT. Hmm. I I do believe it'll continue. I think I mean, social media has kind of taught us that, that we've gotten less and less connected physically as people, or we're quite comfortable sending text messages or 
or getting on social media and posting things and and stuff like that and not actually being near people um we're connected to people and that we probably never would have been connected to in the past um so it opens up i think there's an opportunity there in some ways to well from us uh let's say a manpower perspective we're not limited to just people that can work in tampa anymore um we're, we basically could hire from somebody anywhere in the world it really doesn't there is no limitation today uh, there's exceptions covering contracts and things like that but um but in general it opens up a lot of that from an i from an it perspective from management perspective to to give us those opportunities but it also creates a lot of challenges like you were just talking about where um like from from my company for instance we got 13 different locations around the southeast if we're not careful and, and i've seen this happen many many times some of those remote sites especially if there's only one or two people there start to feel disconnected from from the company from it in particular because a lot of times if we're not able to go and stand in front of them and say what's going on what can i help you with because that's how it used to be it used to be when i needed to fix something i would actually go to that person's desk and actually fix it mm -hmm. um then it got more phone support and we figured out how we can do remote support and things like that and so we've gotten to a point where we really don't need to be anywhere unless we need to physically hand them a piece of hardware um which is still for us it's still fortunate we still have that connection at least that we're we're not away from a physical piece of machinery whether it's a laptop or monitor or keyboard mouse whatever it is so i can still go and see you face to face and hand you that piece of machinery so from that perspective i think it, it's still good for us to do that and as a manager i know one of my goals over the next year is to go to those sites and actually just meet with people and just talk to them and see what's going on and, and make sure that they know that yeah it is here we're here to support you no matter whether you're here in tampa or you're in georgia somewhere we're here for you and i'm not going to support you any differently in georgia than i am somebody here in tampa the, the, what you're going to get is going to be exactly the same and if we're not careful it's really easy to get away from that again it's that whole social media concept of we don't need to meet with people anymore we can do it all over the internet or or through zoom calls or teams meetings and that's not always the best way to do things um i don't know how many times i've had teams meetings with people that were in the same building with me let's get in the <laughs> conference room and just have a meeting then sometimes <laughs> it makes sense to do that and we've got to be really cautious about getting away from that connection that we have with people. And I think the companies that are flexible enough to kind of have that hybrid solution where, yes, we're, we're, we've got people remote. Yes, we can do Teams meetings and Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But you know what? At times, it makes sense for us all to come together, whether it's, whether it's a, like a town hall meeting where we're all getting together and just saying hi to each other and, and shaking hands and, and smiling at each other. Or you know what? This is going to be one of those where it is going to be a virtual meeting. So it makes sense. But I think there's a, a fine balance that we still have to continue to find there. No matter how virtual IT as a whole gets, we still need that human connection. We still need to make sure that that we're we're not losing that human factor that we have that makes a human special. That's what. And and it makes us, I think we're more creative when we're together in a room. I don't know how many times we may argue and get upset, but by the end of that meeting, we, first off, you know, everybody's paying attention because they're in the same room. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it does, it really does bring out, I think it brings out better and more creative juices sometimes if we're all sitting in the same room talking. Um, I, I My office sits right next to the IT department. I probably spend two thirds of my day in their office just because we're talking about things and we're getting things done and making decisions. And I would hate to just sit in my office all day and never have that connection with them. And again, I think it as a whole, we got to be very careful about, yeah, it's in the cloud. So I don't need to do anything with it, or I don't need to, to, to interact with anybody. I'm just going to sit over here at home maybe and, and do my job. No, there's times when it makes sense. So I think there's good and bad to it, but I think that's part that we really got to be careful of is not to lose that human interaction that we have currently today to some extent. So, so no, that's, I, I like that. And I think, um, so if we take that and we, and we explore it a little bit, it, you know, we, there's so many different, like you mentioned, there's so many different 
technologies right now that are forcing us away from that past, yes. right? Um, uh, what are some of the, uh, are, there, are there technologies? And I don't know. I'm actually asking this question. I have no idea. Are there technologies that are, that are actually pushing us uh, um, back the other way? So to, towards a, a more connected uh, um, sense of, uh, um, of uh, the office and, and, and the people you work with? I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any that are kind of pushing us in that direction. I think that's more leadership that does that. So, for, in, for instance, in my, in my company, the, the CEO prefers to have people in the office. I mean, that's his preference. And he prefers to have people more in the office. Now, doesn't mean I can't work remotely occasionally if I need to for some reason. But I think that's his way of trying to make sure that we stay connected, that we as a company still understand that it's the people that make the company what it is it's not the technology it's not the ability to work remote sure we have the ability but should we always take advantage of that should we always be out of the office no i i agree with him 100 i think there's many many times when it makes sense for us to be in the office i think there's a balance there today that we need to make sure we as as employers understand that people got used during covid to working remote they they just did they all of a sudden it opened everybody's eyes and said, Hey, this is kind of nice to be able to be at home and, and work and still have a life without having to drive two hours each way or whatever. Um, so I think there is a balance there that, that companies are going to have to find. Yes. We need to have people in the office. Yes. We need to, we need to offer people the ability to work at home occasionally, if that's what it, to, to kind of make sure we're getting the right variety of people in the office type of thing. So, no, I don't know of any technology that's kind of pushing us together, um, but I do see that a lot of leadership and a lot of companies is is understanding that we need to make sure that we're keeping that human side of things, that we're not just 100% remote all the time and, and never have that interaction anymore. It's um, it's interesting. The uh, um, I know a guy uh, in my company uh, that uh, a couple guys that were that basically are in California. Okay. And I'm in Florida. Yep. And I had known them for years, uh, but yet never actually physically met them. Uh, met them right. <laughs> and I had uh, the opportunity to meet them uh, last summer. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went out there. Uh, and we met over and actually over in Vegas and uh, spent, you know, a couple days, just mm-hmm. like three days uh, with them and left. And those three days of just being with them uh, uh, was such a, a lock on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the relationship that it actually bolstered the, uh, the relationship um, and actually made it stronger. I, and, and yeah. I just thought that was amazing that, that, that in three days, a person, right? Uh, right. And we already, you know, knew each other well and everything like that. But those three days uh, together made it such a huge impact yeah um it's interesting uh when we it talk is. About, is there technology is there things that can bring us there and and maybe the answer is no maybe yeah. it's not maybe the answer is it's yet to become a technology right huh? and and maybe they haven't even done it yet i don't know the answer to this question but it's a very interesting one right it is maybe technology can't bring us together maybe it is just you know humanity that does and uh and then uh we need to learn how to how to mix that humanity like you said mm-hmm. with the technology so that we get the right balance uh um you know i think you're right covid took us one way you know mm-hmm. and to the I extreme <laughs> yeah and i think you've seen the you know things start to come back just a bit uh not all the way uh, right. you mentioned a really amazing thing where you said, you know, Hey, we can, you can hire from anywhere you want right now, right. which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just open up and go, I want to hire whoever I want, you know? Um, and you're right. There are some logistic, logistic challenges and stuff like that a, a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, you pretty much can't, you know, right. you know, hire whoever you want, wherever you want and, and have, and have them do the job. And then that opens up. That's a, that's a win for small business. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're not um, limited to people just close by. <laughs> yeah, because a big because a large business can go, hey, um, let me pluck this talent from another part of the country, right. and uh, and I'll help them move and relocate and come over here, right? But a small company can't do that. No. Yeah. So uh, that's a win for small business to be Absolutely. able to 
compete with some of the bigger businesses in that regard. And and, and for the, those that take advantage of it, yeah, that's great. But they run into this problem with uh, the how disconnect. they manage people in all sorts of different areas and all different right. spots. And um, I love coming into the office. I love interacting. I mm-hmm. uh, um, Anybody looked at my LinkedIn, I dress as a elf every year around <laughs> Christmas and France around the office, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, a um, you know, that interaction to me is priceless. You know, you, that's, that's a, uh, um, ability to, to, you know, connect with your coworkers, uh, and, and continue that bond. Absolutely. Uh, and you spend a lot of time with your coworkers. So yes. that bond is super important. You know, um, you end up, you know, spending, you know, eight hours a day uh, w- with your coworkers, uh, at least five days a week, at least bare right. minimum. Minimum. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, why not make the most out of it? And so I, I, I think you're right on this. Uh, um, you know, who knows? Uh, it's a question right. that I think we ought to ponder uh, kind of going forward. Um, and I really, I really like your answer to this, right? Which is in this regard, um, uh, we need to keep our humanity. We need to keep our, uh, um, our connections, our human connections. Um, and, and that means that we need to balance our technology. Mm-hmm. with our our need for human connections yes uh, agreed michael thank you so much uh for coming on uh, absolutely i absolutely really appreciate it nerds i'm michael moore hosting this podcast for dissecting popular it nerds and i've been here with michael turner it manager at dynamic equipment group um thank you so much again and uh, uh anytime you want to come back on just let us know will do thanks appreciate it <laughs>